What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. In today's episode, I bring on Brian Reese, uh, one of the owners of Bella's Army in Pittsburgh, and he is a young entrepreneur. One thing that I like about Brian is that he comes into the business with a growth mindset. He worked for College Works Painting, so uh, these companies really just focus on systems, processes, standards. Um, they really shoot for the moon in terms of growth. And when you go into an environment like that and then you try to start your own business, you don't accept the idea of working in the brush. You don't accept the idea of having just this one role. Uh, you really know that there's a clear-cut path to success in that system. So I talked to Brian a little bit about that, and I think it's going to be a great conversation for you to, to chime in on, to listen to, and to uh, be a part of. The big question you need to ask yourself every day is, do I own a job or do I own a business? And unfortunately, the majority of contractors out there own a job. That's right. They're a slave to their own business. But the other side of the fence is so much greener. It's so much better. And that's when you're finally fully in control of your destiny, your freedom, your time. And that's what Contractor Secrets is about. It's about taking back our time, building a business with systems, standards, values, procedures, putting yourself in the driver's seat. And that's what it's about. So I'm excited. I'm happy to have you here. Let's dive into the Contractor Secrets podcast. Cool. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Contractor Secrets podcast. I'm with Brian Reese, uh, owner of Bella's Army in Pittsburgh. And we are diving in here. You know, one thing that struck me about Brian was that he's advanced in terms of marketing and sales. And um, he's put together a lot of YouTube videos. I think him and I have a lot of similarities. Um, and I thought it would be good to have someone else share some insight on sales and marketing other than myself. So, um, you know, let's get the elephant out of the room, man. Where did the name come from? So um, we get this a lot, and uh, it's actually nice that everybody asks because it's always a uh, conversation starter. But um, basically, it's named after a, corg a, a corgi, so it's a dog named okay. Bella. Dog named Bella. Yeah, I so that's um, that's one of the other owner's dogs, so it's yeah. me and two other people. Okay. And um, basically, it was more of a joke whenever we thought about it, but um, the word Bella means beautiful in Italian. So yep. with paint, you want to beautify a space. Nice. And just the nature of a dog in general, um, they're generally Every just moment. more energetic and yeah. they just get stuff done. Great conversation so, piece. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's kind of um, actually what we even hire on. So like our core values are kind of like built around that work ethic and just yeah. ideology. Beautifying the space. Yeah, that was one thing, you know, if I'm choosing paint contractors and I always try to put myself in the position of a customer. I'm looking at names too. That's important, you know? Um, and if I came across something that said Bella's army, that would, that would actually pique my attention. I know myself enough to know that I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. And it would make me investigate that a little bit. Is that story anywhere on your website or is it anywhere in your Facebook? Is that accessible or is that something that people usually just, you know, ask? Um, both. So it, oh. it is accessible. The website, it's more of a skeleton cause I built it myself like a while okay. ago. But um, we're just ramping up that to kind of just like cool. actually push that marketing. Nice. Yeah, that's cool, man. So um, again, one thing that, you know, I was interested in, and that's why I reached out to you to, to join us today, um, was really just you being kind of young in the, in, in the industry. Um, again, I don't really run into too many, you know, youngins that, that have kind of taken um, the blessing of technology and, and you know, um, turned it into a, a profitable trade business. If I came up to you and I said, hey, man, find a job. 
what would be your first move? Um, I, I mean, right now, I would just go into the digital marketplace. Yeah, well, it's snowing up there, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's just say that all playing fields are even and you can, you're wide open. It's the middle of the summer. What's your go-to? So, I mean, if I have a customer base, my first go-to would be to market to that customer base. Um, nice. There's always work in there. And if not, then I would just like hit the digital game pretty hard. So okay. uh, we're actually almost 100% digital. Nice. So that's Facebook, Google, um, getting into YouTube, stuff like that. So, I mean, the only really cold outreach we really would do would just be like on the commercial end. Okay. But, but yeah, like everything I know now, 100%, just hop on Facebook and Google. How about quick. Facebook? It's never been easier. So you kind of have, I would assume, a pretty good Facebook following. Are you buying leads from anywhere? Home Advisor, Angie's List, Thumbtack. Have you utilized any of those resources at all? I have in the past. And um, we're actually still kind of like stuck into a contract with Angie's List from about a year and a half ago. But um, that's coming up pretty soon. And besides that, no. Um, everything nice. else we're leveraging in-house. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah, you can't beat that. So uh, residential only for you guys? I looked at some um, of the pictures. You guys yeah, do we, This year, yeah, yeah, we do cabinets now. Um, I think it was about 25% commercial this year. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, are, you uh, bidding the, are you bidding the commercial jobs or are you just doing the residentials? Um, like personally selling, you mean? Yeah. I personally am selling everything right now. Okay. So that's your role is 100% sales. Yeah. Nice. What are the drawbacks of doing commercial work? Um, well, it depends on what kind of commercial. So like there's examples where like um, we didn't really have to deal with the net pays. So like we've, I mean, there was a 55K commercial one we did where it was only a 30 day net pay. That wasn't bad. Okay. Um, there's another one that literally pays us the second we finish. <laughs> so nice. um, we kind of just like really focused on the ones and the connections that would either pay us right away or like max 30 day net anything okay. higher. We didn't really take on at that early of a, um, of a stage within our okay. company. So are you guys operating with employees or subcontractors? Uh, we're hybrid We're both. Okay, cool. So you have a unit of employees and then now I assume you probably used to subcontractors on the commercial work. Um, no, it's actually the opposite. Really? I did not expect that. So you use the subcontractors on the residential work and your employee. How many employees do you guys have? Uh, seven in-house and nice. the rest sub. So, so commercial is a pretty good chunk of your business. Um, if, it's, if that's it's what becoming, keeps the, well, if that's what keeps the employees busy. Yeah. Well, like the reason um, I swapped it and had like the, the in-house people do only commercial um, is because like I have kind of like a preferred scheduling or VIP offer. So okay. like the whole premise is to be like, if it's a really weird deadline or if you need us there like tomorrow, we can say yes to anything. Yeah. So, so like I just leverage and stack that accordingly. And the subs just basically maintain the volume um, yes. as we kind of like. I've been found that out with commercial jobs. Anytime I've ever, in which I don't, I strictly do residential. I, I own a painting yeah. business here in Florida. I only do residential painting. I've found that it's usually the three bid game where no one's usually in a big hurry with commercial. It's actually the opposite here. I don't know if it's because we're in Florida, but here the homeowners are usually the ones that wait to the last minute. And then the commercial jobs are the ones that, you know, so for me, I would probably have to keep it the other way because 
I would want to make sure that the employee, like, I, and I guess just because you probably know that commercial market good enough to where you can kind of, um, if anything, you can kind of, you know, prospect and get your name out there. And you probably have networking, you know, opportunities, connections. I haven't built any of that. So I don't really know how that pipeline looks, but um, you know, the goal for me would just to be make sure those employees have those hours every single week. So I assume that those commercial jobs take up a good amount of time if they're that big. You know, you said, I think you dropped a number 55,000. That was probably a, a long job, right? Um, no, that took eight days, actually. Eight days. <laughs> really? What kind, what kind of job was it? Was it uh, like um, a grocery store? It, it was a large um, luxury student living place. So oh. like they had a really large 110 bed space turn and the only caveat was it needed done in 12 days. Wow. So, um, we just said, yeah, do it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because yeah. here I've actually, when I first started my business, I was in Gainesville, which is college town. Yeah. Turns are like, you know, and I think Pittsburgh. Were you? Are you? Is, it, is that? Are you near college town? Uh, yeah, kinda. Like they're like the city schools, like Pitt, CMU, okay. Penn State. Yeah. So in in yeah. Gainesville, it was turns, and I always heard that like turns are blow and go, dude. Like a hundred dollars an apartment, not, not that low. It was like 350 bucks for like an apartment. And you know, you're just, you know, kind of just blowing and going spraying everything. Was it that type of work or was it kind of, no, it was, um, I mean like everybody was living there, like, wow. like living there or kind of like, you know, the, the yeah. lease renewal, this is, this is, this is the, but this, these are interior stuff. It was all interior and people were living. Wow. I didn't know. I didn't, man, I never, like, you know, I haven't heard that. Well, like it was um the the reason it was kind of like a crunched amount of time is because like it was either like a uh, their leasing was up and like we had like to get in there before somebody brand new came in okay. or yeah. somebody's been in there for like two years and as a courtesy they would just like freshen up the space a little bit so it was very customized per space depending on what we did dude I would have just you know and I commend you because I would have just been like dude I don't even want to deal with the because I'm big about time. Like, I want to know that if I get in there, I don't have to worry about anything, any variables coming in my way. Like, I want to know I could start and I could finish. But if you're talking about how I have to, you know, coordinate with, you know, this turn and this lease and this turn and this lease, that would drive me nuts. How did you do that? Um, well, honestly, that one I did sub out. So, like, I just put somebody oh. in there and, like, they kind of hey, took care of a lot of it that. Out, you figure it out. But, <laughs> yeah, but, um, to kind of, I mean, to answer that question a little bit more better, um, it's just really the communication factor. So like whatever person was a connection on that side, they just like helped manage and like yeah. kind of gave us like the tickets for this and this yeah. and that. Yeah. So like I just set up the terms to where like they just handed us the ticket. Once we're done, we hand it back. Boom. Go to the yeah. maintenance rolls behind, confirms it. Nice. So it's like the final walkthrough aspect was still there. Yeah. It was just a different um, layout. Yeah. So you do more than just painting though, right? Uh, we're, we're getting into it. Yeah. You're getting so, into doing more or you're getting more into painting. Well, like right now it's very, you know, focused on painting. So like just general interior exteriors, um, there's yeah. painting, staining, we're building a general maintenance division. So like property management work, it helps to kind of do some smaller weird, weird things. So that's the different factor there. Uh, we do, like this year we did a lot of carpentry actually. And then um, we're diving into trim and molding installs. Uh, we spray cabinets and yeah, just do restoration. So usually I would say that, and I'm just going to be honest, usually like, and I do some, 
some uh, coaching here and there, and I usually put them on the podcast. And whenever I hear that somebody, and not to the scale of you, I mean, you guys got a couple owners. I assume that you're doing well over a million dollars in a year, if not right around there. Would that be a safe assumption? Right around there, yeah. Okay. Usually the, the, the people that I'm talking to do a, a lot less, but the, the issue that I've seen is that when they take on all this work, like you, right now, I think you just outlined six or seven different things. Whenever I hear that, I, my first like advice is like, whoa, niche down because like it's probably kind of chaotic taking on all this stuff. Is that true? Or have you guys nailed that down? Very chaotic. And I, I, and like, I love the chaos. That's just my personality type. So like, um, to kind of like explain how we did that is, uh, I strategically cho choose, you know, like who do I hire and who do I not hire? So, um, knowing that I had some percentages to play around with, um, to try new stuff, I purposely didn't hire another sales rep. I purposely didn't hire a project manager. So, um, it was basically me selling and managing everything this year. Okay. So I just, I structured the systemization portion Good to experience. be able to, to do that. Yeah, very. And um, basically like I, I wasn't focusing on making a lot of money this year. I was just focusing on doing a lot and then learning and tweaking, learning and tweaking, and then yeah. just documenting everything as we kind of Yeah. Learn it. And this year is a little bit of a caveat because I think all of us would have taken anything around April and March. I know you guys had some lockdowns up there. So like anything you could get your hands on, you're probably like, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that's, you know, but it sounds like you would have done that anyway. <laughs> well, know, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, like the lead flow was ridiculously high this yeah. year. Um, we were even shut down completely like for six weeks. Yeah. And during that time, I mean, like we already had, I think three to $400,000 backlogged already. Wow. So like we just spent the time sourcing subs and then yeah. set the ground running. Wow. Yeah. That's how you do it, man. Yeah. And navigating yeah. the winter is always tricky. So what have you been doing? Now, have you been preparing for winter? I mean, is this something that you've gotten good at? And if you have, like, what's the secret? Um, so I wouldn't say I'm good at it. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, last year was technically the first winter with, like, a decent amount of people. Um, that was a struggle to get through. Uh, this winter this year, I was a little bit more prepared and, like, understanding of what was, you know, coming. Yeah. So uh, we did try and, like, set up and start more connections to be able to accommodate winter. So like what we're doing now, like, I mean, everybody's busy and like, we even had some access to give some, to some, uh, sub teams, which is nice. Right. But, um, it's just like leveraging the connections on the, um, commercial side. Like we have a custom builder we work with, like, I don't like working with builders, but, um, there's a very small select few that actually don't have bad margins. So we found one of those, um, we're leveraging the commercial connections and then again, just digital. So. Yeah. Like my conversation with the person that helps run our ads, it's not how much are we spending. It's, it's how can I, how can I spend, you know, $700 a day? How can I spend a thousand a day? Like if you have those conversations, it's, it's actually really tough to spend a lot of money on social whenever you're running ads. Right. Because you just have to like cast 25 to 30 fishing lines instead of yep. like sinking all your money into one. Yeah. So it's yeah, a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what are you doing to measure that success? Like what, what programs are you using in your business? What's the, what would you say like your tech stack is? Um, it's honestly not that much right now because uh, I'm just getting into CRM. I'm just getting a sales estimating software. So uh, we operated everything just with Google. So, so like um, a lot of people do. Yeah. Like I, I, and all that. Yeah. I honestly just made the spreadsheets with like equations. So yeah. um, I know every KPI, 
without even having to like pay for something. But this year we're integrating everything into like those CRMs. So uh, right now it's a combination of just like bookkeeper, um, high levels are CRM right now. And we're going to be using PandaDoc for the estimating. Uh, Estimating? Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know Go High Level is heavy marketing. I know that is a heavy marketing piece. Um, and then I don't know much about PandaDoc, but in essence, you know, so, so did you start this business or did you come in as a partner at some point? Uh, we started our last year of college. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Did you guys do college works painting or anything like that? Yep. Oh, you I did. did. So you were part of that. You were part of that franchise. Got it. Yep. Um, and one thing that I always, I always heard like, and you're not the first person that I've interviewed that has been through something like that, but look at the end of the day. I haven't heard great things about it, but I did hear phenomenal training and that is invaluable. Whether, whatever you went through, whatever, whatever they paid you, whatever your margins were heard, they're not phenomenal, but the training that you got, because you have a growth mindset already embedded in you. It's like a seed, you know, that people really like, you know, that like with, with a franchise like that, they're scaled, like they're going, they, they want to hit the moon, right? If you, if you have that limited vision early on, like I can already tell your growth, like you'll take whatever you got to take. Like you're, you're trying to hit, hit big numbers. It's really hard to, to develop that. So you want to talk a little bit about kind of your experience, you know, in terms of what your roles were with that, that kind of molded you for this? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I basically, like they started out as a branch manager level. So you just uh, pick a location, like whichever location you're living in and you just run a branch from scratch. So like that's door to door. That's um, like literally everything, just getting the lead, selling the, selling jobs, uh, scheduling, hiring and all that stuff, and then managing. So more than half the battle like that year, it was literally just persisting and doing it. So um, I actually got uh, an internship credit for that, which is kind of crazy. Yes. Like throughout the entire experience, I was forced to log every hour that I did that, that year. So like I would spend, I would, what was it? It, it was over a hundred hours log per week that I was spending. But um, it basically just taught me to like, like, yeah, put your head down and just like do stuff. <laughs> and at the same time, you realize what your inefficiencies were because there are certain things that were just taking a ridiculous amount of time that you're like, you know, like, like at this point now I'm leveraged to know enough to where like I can pay somebody $15 an hour to free up a shit ton of my time. <laughs> yeah. um, but after that, um, after I did well, that there was a district manager level. I actually didn't do well at that. Um, so like my team really wasn't kind of like expanding too well. So then they shifted me into like a safety inspector position. And I also did a, a full-time sales position with them. Okay. So that was my experience. So it was about two years roughly that I was with them. Yeah. It wasn't that much, but um, the conversation was, you know, do I want to kind of like stay with them and then do the DM uh, thing again and grow right. from there or do I not? <clears throat> so I mean, I don't know. It's you hit the nail on the head whenever you kind of like focus on the training aspect. Like, I saw every single level on how the the management structure looked. And that's and key. Yeah, yeah. So the awareness was more, you know, like more than half the battle there. Yeah, and you'd be surprised when I talk to look, and I I'm the type that I want to grab the painters, the people that have the brush in their hand, and I want to like yank them up a level and help them like develop business principles and 
learn hiring and learn all these things that are natural to you because that's the role that you got thrown into. I was never a painter by trade. That wasn't how I, I put money on the table and neither was, neither was it for you. You came in yeah. with a business mindset. So for me, I look at that like, you know, the, the, the training in itself, again, was just like the most valuable thing. But in terms of getting somebody to go in there, I actually had someone ask me, Tanner, if I'm not painting, like, what do I do throughout my day? Like, I don't know what to do. Right. And what you just described to me is that like, you saw what each management structure does. Like, you know, that your production manager is responsible for this. You know, that you as a salesperson, you're doing this. Like you don't have a minute of your day where you're not doing anything. There's no way with you doing manage, with you doing production management and sales. I'm surprised I even got you on this podcast, dude. Cause probably right after this, you got estimates to send and you got calls to make, right? A lot. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's plenty to do. So in terms of like, you know, what's next for you in terms of like making the turn. So you got two other partners, what are their roles in the business? If you're doing production management and you're doing sales, what's, what's left. So, I mean, the, the other one's a, more of a silent partner. Okay. So, um, uh, the other person basically does a lot of the admin stuff and then the hiring and recruiting. Cool. So, um, basically her people radar is like really, really good. <laughs> so just knowing like that we're bringing on the right talent is more than half the battle. Cause that's a huge time saver there. Yeah. Um, so management or sales and production. Yeah. I, I mean, I just take care of everything else. So we basically just kind of like itemized what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses? And then we just had both had our own little bucket. Yeah. That's important to do with yeah. like with partners. Like, so everybody knows, Hey, look, you know, we've got to work together. Not everyone can do sales. In some cases, I'll, I'll even work with people that have, you know, a double partnership. One's painting and one's doing, you know, the management. And that's an even harder way to break things up. But again, that's not, not nothing in, in, in terms of what you're dealing with. So what is, what is the strategic advantage in terms of like, you know, it's, it's Bella's army versus two others. If you, and you're in, and I'm going to just go residential route here. What is like, what is the strategic selling point that you try to focus on to get somebody to choose you over the competition? It's probably the, the easiest question you're going to ask me <laughs> because um, think of it as just like, besides the name, besides, no I'm kidding. So, so like um, I'm marketing at marketing it as an original experience. So like focusing on customer experience and being more customer, you know, focused is the entire battle. Yeah. So like, um, basically whenever I say original experience, like it's a replicatable system, a replicatable process, um, that's proven and that can give the same result every time. So like our goal is to be your painter forever. So like, whether it's, you know, us painting for you now, and then three years down the road, you're going to get the same exact process and experience yeah. because it's all documented. So it's pushing that, um, along, you know, the lines of just like dotting the I's and crossing the T's on everything. So whether that's communication or just like, you know, wearing booties inside or just like being super, super uh, professional with, you know, uniforms and stuff. And then um, we also have like a way to articulate that like, hey, there's a lot of people in the field that are emerging that have no experience. Like this is like an apprentice program that we push them through. And we actually market that pretty hard too. So like yeah. that's a part of all of the tiny, really like, super detailed, specific stuff whenever it comes to the system. So yeah. like people are super confident that like, Hey, if it was your nephew, Joe, who's 18, who wants to paint, if he goes through our process, he can give me a professional result every single time. 
Wow. Like it doesn't matter who it is. That's great. I love that. And I think that's great for the community and it makes you obviously look a lot better than the next guy. And one thing that I want to say is that the details of what you said was good. And I think that just by hearing you say that, I could tell that you're systematic in your sales approach to where I know that you're delivering the details and making someone sit there and listen to them so they can make an educated decision. And I think a lot of maybe contractors fall short in to the point to where they're just kind of giving a price and not really seeing the value of hanging in there, right? So you and I, I call it the 595 rule where I'll spend 5% of my time working up a price. And then 95% of my time is getting to know them, building value, explaining processes, explaining why we're different. Because in the eyes of like, I would say the general public, majority of them either have been through a poor experience where they recognize a good company when they see one and they want to invest in one, or they've never had a professional painting experience. So ultimately they see us as all one and the same, kind of like if they go to a restaurant, they see that, you know, when I go to a restaurant, I'm going to get a hostess, I'm going to get a server, I'm going to get dessert at the end, you know, I'm going to get a bill at the end. They know that that's the process. And then they think that, you know, this business is the same and it's not, it's totally different. You can get one guy that will take four weeks on your house or you can get a team of four to come in there and blast it out in three days. Right. So, so that's exactly. cool. So the differentiating factor is essentially the education that you're providing to the customer. Yep. And um, I think another thing I want to add real quick is there's an intangible factor that's always present. So like you can feel the vibe, you can feel the energy, like whoever's in the home selling something like the stuff that goes into like the stuff you can't see is more than people think. Yep. So like, more than half the battle is just like kind of like getting a vibe of like what's this person's personality type like what are they saying what's their body language um do i trust uh, this person? yeah like like there's there's a lot of psychological stuff that goes into it that like you can leverage your knowledge to help uncover something that they're going to give you as an objection that's not the true objection so you can kind of dive into there to get to the real objection right so like the whole goal is to get to the real conversation yeah so like you know, that on top of just like having like a super stellar and polished sales process, it's just like invaluable. You know, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Invaluable. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of one thing that I noticed is that, well, and, and this is another thing that I like to kind of hit on is that people have different motives in our industry of why they want the job done. And it's your job to first identify what that motive is. Some people could be selling their house. Some people could be buying the house. Some people could be freshening it up. I had a lady today. She is sick and tired of the colors. So one of my big, you know, value propositions is a free color consultation, right? I wouldn't offer that to somebody who's selling their house. They don't care, right? So right. like right. identifying what that motive is, and that'll kind of set the sales for which direction you're heading in and of unco uncovering objections. So with that being said, are you doing any uh, estimates on the spot? Or I know that you're going digital now. What's that look like? So... Um, I'm a huge fan of doing them on the spot. I stopped doing them on the spot fall winter this year, just because, um, again, I made the decision to overdo it and I didn't have like, like I ran into the situation of just having to keep 15 people busy with no salespeople. So, um, I just shifted digitally that's and did everything over email. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's why I went digital and I was, okay. um, leveraging that process. But um, that process can actually be pretty uh, powerful too, because um, you know it's easy to fall into the trap of just sending a price over and emailing it if it's digital, or you can have an interaction like me and you are right now. So you can do screen sharing. You can still show your uh, your product sheets, like talk about the story, 
and all that. Sure. So that's the push now. Like if it's digital, it's the same thing as it was in person. Like yeah. it's yeah. trimmed a little bit, but the value's still there. The value's still there. Yeah. And they can feel it over yeah. the phone, that intangible factor that you were talking about. But in, I mean, like in February, we're bringing on three to five sales reps. Um, that's the goal. So I want, like, like right now, we're setting up like systemization for everybody to have a laptop or a tablet on site. And then um, with Panda, like PandaDoc, I'm working on like templates and stuff for them so they can just plug and chug the info and just have them sign on the spot on the tablet. There you go. So I, I, I like in-person interaction. I'm not expecting us to close on the spot. I'm just expecting to have a higher chance of having the real conversation. Right. And that's, yeah, that's key. Yeah, that's key. So with yeah. all that said, I think that, you know, being as though that this part of this conversation was really just kind of just identifying, you know, sales uh, differences, um, like likeness between you and I, I know that, you know, we're I'm really trying to help people see that, you know, the contracting business is more than just like coming in and giving a price. Like, obviously that's what our customers want. That's not what they need, you know? And I think that that's, that's where we're leaning toward. Um, one piece of advice for somebody who, um, you know, let's just say that the majority of the people that listen to me are kind of struggling to build management, build um, roles in their business. What's something that you can give from your experience and seeing how a fully operational system works? What is a piece of advice that you'd be able to give um, this audience on really stepping out of the role that they're so attached to with which in most cases, I'd say that is painting because they feel like, you know, they have to. What would you what, what piece of advice would you give? Um biggest piece of advice is hire from day one. So like it's all mentality and perspective shift. Right. For example, if you're really stuck to painting and you're in the field and you pick up a brush and you're working on the site, you know, there's a clear difference between you making the decision to be on that site, picking up a brush and painting and logging your hours to help your team, quote unquote, versus you being on site, not painting, you just kind of like looking over them, helping guide them, teach them and building systems in production. Right. So you can be in the field, but working on the system for that role. And then once that's good enough, slowly come away and manage from a distance and do the same exact thing on another role. And it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Yeah. So like it's, to me, it's almost impossible like to wrap my head around why somebody would ever want to pick up a brush. <laughs> Not that like um, I have anything against that, like, it's just like understanding like your standard is already set, right? Like yeah, you already, because if you don't do that, the second you don't pick up a brush, your team's immediately like, yeah. dude, what are you Not doing? All yeah, yeah. And if you're talking about value and time, right? Like you as a business owner, can you put a quantitative number on your value of your time? No, but we know it's high where you could replace yourself for anywhere between 15 and $20 an hour. To me, bad investment to be painting bad investment to be doing anything that you could be doing to grow your business instead of producing the result of growth, which is painting bad investment. So that that's a great point, man. And I, I think you have an, a great business mind. I, you know, I'm really thankful that you joined this. I'm going to wrap this up here. That's our time. Um, again, guys, thank you so much for jumping in, Brian. Thank you for your time. How do we find you, man? Do you got a Instagram or YouTube? I know you got some videos on YouTube. How do we find you? Uh, for, for my personal uh, wherever, man. If you if you have a following, if you're on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, God, I don't even know my handles. <laughs> um, it, it it's just Brian Reese. Um, Brian Reese. It, it should be that on Facebook, cool. Instagram, awesome. And then uh, at Bellows Army Painting. 
at for all of the platforms. Cool, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, bro. All right. Thanks, man. Likewise. Cut off the thanks for your time. Hey, I just want to take a second to thank you for joining me here on the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Um, I'm just going to take this opportunity to let you know that my passion is coaching people, helping people. Um, I've changed my Instagram name to at contractor coach. And I did that because that is my passion. I want to help you. So please reach out to me. If you have an issue going on in your business, send me an email, find me on Instagram, message me, and let's do a breakthrough session. I want to work through your problems in your business to help you get to that next level. And, and one thing that I always say is this, you know, the difference between those that get over the humps and the hurdles in business is just a change in perspective. And that's what I plan to offer you. So get with me, message me, allow me to help you take your business to the next level.